This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. I'm sorry, guys. I, uh, I got sidetracked. And uh, we cleaned out the refrigerators on Thursday. And by a stroke of good luck, the cleaning crew over the weekend did not throw all the stuff away. So I was able to score some really good stuff here for lunch. And uh, like, look at this, whole package of cold cuts. And uh, it expired in August. But hey, free, free food, you know, we don't have to buy anything. And then um, got some chocolate milk that expired on the 28th. Sat out all weekend long, a little warm, but hey, I love hot chocolate, it's really good. And, and the piece de resistance is a um, egg, ham, and cheese sandwich. And uh, it's been sitting out, I think, it's, I think it was like buried way back in the, in the back of the refrigerator. So it's been sitting out for a little while. It you know, literally is green eggs and ham. And, uh, but I will eat them, Sam, I am. If you, if you know me and care about me, you might slip up to me after this service and go, Alan, don't eat that stuff. Anybody ever had food poisoning? Never forget it, do you? So we, we've learned, if you're smart, you learn to guard what you put in your stomach. Because if I eat that stuff, <laughs> uh, boy, it'd be a rough day or two. And... Uh, you, you put that in, it's coming back. It, it will come back and see you with, with a vengeance. And, and so if any of you have children in here, please explain to them that Pastor Allen is not going through trash cans and he's not, he's not going to eat that stuff. But here's, here's the thought. We know to protect what's in, uh, what goes in our stomach. Because you eat, some of you won't eat some stuff now. You're like, no, no, if I eat that, it will absolutely, man, it's going to be bad. So we learn to protect that. But the Bible talks about protecting something else. The Bible talks about guarding what goes in our heart. In fact, it says this in, in Proverbs. Guard your heart with all vigilance. For from it, from the heart, are the sources of life. So we're talking about guarding our inner life. Our, our what's in the, What's going on in our hearts, in our spirits, in our, in our minds, in our emotions? Because out of it flow the issues of life. All life sources out of there. The strength, the joy, the peace is coming out of there. And you realize, and you know this, the stronger you are on the inside, the more able you're handle, be able to handle things on the outside. A number of years ago, Joy went to Italy with her mother. All her families are, they, they still have relatives that live in Italy and went and saw them. And they also made some stops in other parts of Italy. And one of them was the island of Capri. And Joy said it might have been one of the most beautiful places she's ever seen. So that, but she's walking around. She said there's flowers everywhere. It's a beautiful island. She said, I'm walking around. She said, but because of what was going on back home, she said, I could not enjoy it. Because of all the, the trauma that's going on in her heart. Because I'm your pastor and I care about you. I've watched as people have not guarded their heart during this year. They put things in their heart that have taken a toll. So today I want to talk to you about heart health. 
and three things that are just bad for your heart, not your physical blood pump, but your insides, your heart, your spirit, your mind, your emotions. Talk about three things that are not going to do you good. In fact, they're worse for you spiritually than this food would be for me physically. The first one would be fear. In Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. That word anxiety is actually the word apprehension. If you're apprehensive about something, you're not expecting anything good. You're expecting something bad to happen. You hear people say this all the time. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop, which, by the way, is not a scripture. But it, it is a thought that people have, and they're apprehensive about what's coming. He said, another translation says that anxiety in the heart of man weighs it down. So you have fear in your heart. It, it'll weigh it down. But it says a good word will make it glad. That's why I encourage you to read your Bible. Your Bible will give you good words, and God's word in your heart can cause a gladness and expectation of good, not apprehension of evil. Fear is not good for your heart. Second thing that's not good for your heart is sorrow, sadness, grief. Again, let's go back to the writer of Proverbs. A merry heart, happy heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. You know, you can, if you know someone well, can you tell when they walk in whether or not they're doing okay or not? They walk in a room, and you can go, what's wrong? I can walk in a room, Joy, go, what's wrong? And I go, nothing. And she goes, she goes, uh-huh. And I go, uh-uh. And she goes, and we go back and forth. But if you know somebody, you know, and you're like, no, I'm, I'm all happy on the inside. Well, if you're happy on the inside, your face will show it. And sorrow, it says, but sorrow of heart will break your spirit. And so sorrow steals strength from you. I've never had anyone that's just come through a difficult time where they're just grieving and sad, and they've come out and go, you know what, it was the strongest time of my life. It'll wear you down. It'll break you up. In fact, the Bible never says the sorrow of the heart is, is your strength. It says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so you, you get that going on, and you're just like, oh, that's heart sorrow. Sorrow is not good for your heart. So we got fear, we got sorrow. And there's something else you have to guard your heart from, protect your heart from anger. Where'd y'all go? <laughs> Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Leave that scripture up if you would, guys, just for a second. All three of those words actually deal with anger. That word anger is the word that actually, in the Greek or Hebrew, it's the flaring of the nostrils. You ever know sometimes when you get mad, your nostrils flare? You're like, and you just, you flare up. That's, that's flaring up anger. Wrath is that just really extreme anger. And the word fret is actually the word that means uh, to burn. Kindled, it's to burn, it's anger kindled. You ever heard people talk about it? They just were dealing a slow burn. They were angry. But anger and wrath, and fret, it, it said it only causes harm. If you're a baseball fan, the name Mickey Mantle is probably well known to you. Mickey Mantle was a famous baseball player and played for the Yankees in the 50s and 60s. And he had a good friend on the Yankees called Billy Martin. And Billy Martin was, later on after he retired, became a manager. He managed the Yankees for a while, other teams. Billy was known for being a, 
a fighter, an instigator, a real hothead. And uh, he and Mickey were quite a team for a while. And this is a, actually a true story. Mickey retired, and, and Billy was managing the, the Rangers out in, in Dallas. And I, Mickey was living up there. And Billy did such a good job of turning that team around that they, they at the end of the year, they gave him a, a rifle as a, as, a, as a gift. And uh, Billy told Mickey, he said, man, he said, man, I want to go use my new rifle. I'm going to go deer hunting. You, you know any place? And Mickey said, yeah. He said, I got a friend who's a doctor, got a ranch down south of San Antonio. We'll go down. He said, we got to get up early. He said, okay, we'll get up early. So early in the morning, they drove about four hours down south of San Antonio, pulled up to the ranch house. And Mickey says to Billy, he said, you sit in the car. He said, I'm going to go talk to the doctor and make sure it's okay for us to, to hunt. So Mickey Mantle, Mickey Mantle was famous in the 50s and 60s. He's like one of the most famous baseball players of all time. So he goes, knocks on the door, and the doctor sees and says, hey, Mickey, good to see you. Mickey said, doc, I just wanted to see if we could go hunting on your ranch. He said, no problem. Go hunting. He said, oh, oh, Mickey, would you do me a favor? He said, yeah. He said, he said to get to, the, to where you want to hunt, you've got to go through my, my, my barnyard area. He said, you see that mule right there? Mickey said, yeah. He said, that mule, he said, he's old. He hadn't, he's been blind. He hadn't done any work in 10 years. I don't have the heart to put him down. Would you, would you shoot that mule for me? and just put him down. Mickey said, I don't want to shoot your mule. And the doctor said, no, seriously, I don't have the heart to do it. Would you put the mule down for me? Mickey said, I'll do it. So on the way back to the car, Mickey, true story, Mickey decides he's going to play a joke on Billy. So he gets in the car, he puts a mad face on, he gets in the car, he slams the door. He said, I can't believe it. Drive four hours down here, and then the doctor says we can't hunt. Wasted all that time, makes me so mad. He looked around and said, where's my rifle? I'm going to shoot his mule. <laughs> Billy said, Mickey, you, you can't shoot his mule. We'll go to jail. He said, give me my rifle. He wrestled the rifle out of his hand. He got out of the car, went over, took sights on the mule, just shot him dead. Boom, right like that. He had just barely turned around when he heard, bam, bam, bam. And he looked around and Billy, with a gleam in his eye, said, I got three of his cows. Here's, here's the moral of that story. <laughs> Anger is infectious. Anger can spread. You know, the, there's a, a verse that I, I share with, with married couples, and I, I just did a wedding yesterday, did one Friday. I always share some, some marriage advice. I figure I'm old enough now I can share marriage advice with people. I said, I said learn to say I'm sorry, say it a lot, and then I'll turn to the husband and say, especially you, because you're always wrong. And... Um, <laughs> I said, don't go to bed angry. The Bible said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And I've always shared that as a marriage, I think it's great marriage advice, by the way. But I went back and read that again. You know, that's not given in a marriage context. It's just given in a life context. Don't go to bed angry because anger doesn't do anything good in you. It causes harm. And so... It's something that we have to guard our heart from fear, from sorrow, and from anger. Jesus had to do it. And he had to do it when he worked with his disciples. They were getting ready to go to Jerusalem, and they had to go through Samaria. Now, if you look at a map of Israel, if you have down here, you have uh, Judea down here. And up here, you have Galilee, where Jesus was raised. 
right in the middle, right between them, is Samaria. And the Samaritans were like half, half Jewish, half not. And the Samaritans and the, and the Jews did not like each other. You think the Democrats and the Republicans have a problem? This, was, this had gone on for hundreds of years. And it was racial, and it was religious. They didn't like each other at all. And they, these Samaritans made the disciples mad. Look at the story. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up. He's getting ready to go to the cross. The he, Jesus, steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they, the Samaritans, did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you don't know what manner of spirit you are. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. When they're going through, going through uh, Samaria, if you were Jewish and you were going through Samaria and you were facing south, or towards Jerusalem on your journey, the Samaritans would turn their backs on you. They would reject you. And these Samaritans didn't realize that Jesus had been really good to them. In fact, Jesus had stopped earlier in, in his walk when he was on the earth. He'd stopped in another Samaritan town. He, the first person he'd ever revealed himself to as the Messiah was the Samaritan woman. So Jesus didn't get caught up in all that racial stuff and religious stuff. And he, he was good to Samaritans. But because of their religious bias and because of their racial bias, it blinded them as to who Jesus was. If they realized who he was, they could have had revival there. Oh my gosh, there's, here's Jesus, the miracle worker, the healer. They could have had a lot better time. But because they were blinded, they rejected him. And when they did, it made John and James mad. I mean, they're mad. John and James had left their fishing business they had left their, their life as they knew it, and they staked their whole future on Jesus. And so you talk about identifying with someone. They identified with Jesus. And when the Samaritans rejected Jesus, John and James took it personally. And they're like, well, I can't believe you guys did this. And so the smartest thing they did was ask Jesus the question, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down and wipe this village out? <laughs> And the smartest thing they did was ask. But you know what? They had scripture for it. They said, like Elijah did. Oh, we're going to get religious now. Elijah commanded fire to come down. Well, if you read the story, 2 Kings 1, Elijah had prophesied to a king that the king was going to die. The king didn't like it, sent some people to, to basically arrest and kill Elijah. And uh, when they came to Elijah, he's sitting on the hill. They said, come down, man of God. He said, well, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down and burn you up. So 50 guys just became toast. <laughs> and then did it twice. So James and John, now we have scriptural precedent for what we're doing. We're going to call fire down. But what they missed was the fact that these men had come to harm Elijah. And all these Samaritans did was simply reject Jesus personally. That's a whole different story. And so Jesus did not join in with their anger. He, didn't, he wasn't angry. He didn't, in fact, the, the ones he rebuked were not the Samaritans. They, he rebuked James and John. And he brought them back to the big picture. He said, guys, 
I, I didn't come to destroy lives. I came to save them. And I love what the last sentence is. And they went on to another village. They just simply moved on. There's some lessons in there for us. But if we're going to guard our heart and strengthen our heart, protect our heart and strengthen our heart, there's some things we can do. And it's important that we do these things. For one, have you ever heard the term, you are what you eat? Well, whatever you feed on is what's going to get in you. Let me show you this from, from Psalms. It says, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Remember that word fret means a slow burn. Nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. That is not a prayer, guys. That is not something you pray over people. Lord, cut them down like grass and wither them like green herbs. No, it's talking about how temporary life and how temporary our life on earth is. It says, here's do this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. You know, as long as we're going to live on this earth, as long as we're in this nation or any other nation, there's always going to be evil and evil people. And if we dwell on that, feeding on that, thinking about that all the time, what that does is it breeds in us fear, anxiety, sorrow, anger. I know some people go, Alan, you, you don't know what's going on. I got a, I got a right to be angry. Well, I'm, I'm not trying to steal your right to be angry. But my question is, how is it working for you? Is it helping you? Or is it hurting you? Is it changing the situation? Or is it changing you? I said, well, what do I do? I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going, to, I'm going to think about and consistently think. Whatever you think about, when you constantly have inputting in your life, it's, it's like eating spiritually putting it in you. Whatever we're thinking about, eating you. Um, earlier in, in, in March, I felt really impressed of the Lord to stop watching the news. And as we didn't know how, how this year was going to shake out, but the Lord impressed me to stop watching news. So I, I haven't watched the news. I haven't watched an hour of news since March. I've scanned headlines. I've looked at internet. I have a, a gazillion people who text me everything that's going on. And so I, 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 have a, I have a feel for what's going on, but I'm not, I'm, not, um, I'm not eating that. I'm not feeding on that. And I realize now what the Lord's done is he's just helped me protect my heart. And I, I've, I've been happy through this whole thing. So you can't be happy. I am happy. Happy's better than sad and angry. And uh, so I, I've guarded my heart through, but, but this past week I found a scripture for not watching the news. In the Bible. Look at this. This is great. You'll love this. Ezekiel, sigh therefore, son of man, with a breaking heart, and sigh with bitterness before their eyes. And it shall be when they say to you, why are you sighing? That you shall answer, because of the news. <laughs> Mic drop. No, 
But, but look at this. It, it, it's interesting. When it comes, every heart will melt, all hands will be feeble, every spirit will be faint, and all knees will be weak as water. Guys, let me just be very serious with you here. I've watched this happen to Christians all over our church, all over this community, all over our nation. If they've fed on things that have hurt their heart, it has weakened them spiritually. You are what you eat. And you don't want to feed on that. So what are we going to feed on? We're going to feed on God's good. We're going to feed on he's faithful. We're going to feed on he's still God. And regardless of what's going on, he's still God. He's going to be God now. He's going to be God next year. He's going to be God 10 years from now and 1,000 years from now. He's still God and he's faithful. And see, just thinking about that will make you happy. That'll, what are you doing? I'm going to watch what I eat because that protects my heart. And then I'm going to strengthen my heart. I want to get stronger in my heart. If I'm going to get stronger, if you're going to get stronger, we're going to have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Now, let me give you a scripture here. This is interesting. I will offer to you, talking about to God, the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I'll offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I watch a YouTube trainer who has 11 million followers. This guy, is, he's very bright. He's, he's got a master's degree, got great exercises. And so I, I don't have a trainer. I, I, have a, I have an online trainer. It would be better if I had a real trainer, but I just watch online. Just a thought. Anyway, I, <laughs> he said something the other week, and I, as soon as I heard it, I went, but that, that is so true. He said, if you're going to gain strength, if you're going to gain uh, you're going to make any kind of gains. He said, you have to become comfortable with uncomfortable. So in other words, he said, if you go into the gym and you work out, and he was talking about lifting weights, he said, if you lift out, if you, if you leave refreshed, you didn't work out. He said, you exercise, you didn't work out. He said, you really ought to leave spent. You become uncomfortable. I go to Joy a number of years ago and to go into workout, she wouldn't work out, wouldn't work out. And so I finally just kind of just shamed her into going to work out. It didn't work. Because I I saw her in the gym one time, and I'm serious, she's doing, she's sitting at the bench press. If there could have been less weight, she'd have had them. And she was doing this. I walked up there, I'm like, what the heck? She's like, I'm working out. You ladies have a way of being, you're going to get even. You're going to have the last word on this. And, uh, and she had the last word. I don't, I'll leave her alone. You work out when you want to. But anyway, the, the idea is you're going to have to be uncomfortable. If you're going to work out really good, you're going to be uncomfortable. You get used to, you're going to run a marathon. You have to be uncomfortable. It's going to, you, to make gains, you're going to have to be uncomfortable. You say, why are you sharing this? Because it's more comfortable to live in fear, to live in sorrow, and to live in anger. That's easy. There's no resistance there. You just flow. And there's a whole world that's involved in that flow. If you're going to be thankful, you are going to have to go against the flow. There is a resistance against that. That's why the Bible calls it a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It doesn't call it the ease of thanksgiving. It calls it a sacrifice of thanksgiving because to be thankful is more difficult than to be angry. To be thankful is more difficult than to be sad or to be fearful. It's, it takes more of you to, to just look up and go, Lord, I want to thank you for your goodness. Lord, I want to thank you. I want to tell you something. I, I just, you just start thinking about things you can be thankful for and good things will flow out of you. 
Lord, I want to thank you for Jesus. I want to thank you for the Holy Spirit. I want to thank you that I have a wonderful wife. Thank you that I've got a good family. Thank you, Lord, that I get to pastor a wonderful church in a wonderful town in a wonderful state. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you. Thank you that my little dog, Boudreaux, is still alive. I thank you for that. Thank you. But what about giving thanks? And when you do give thanks, what happens is you shift the focus from what's negative and temporary to what's positive and eternal. You shift that focus. John Kralik was a, a, a man who was just disappointed in life. He burned through two marriages. He wasn't connected with his kids. He was, he was working hard in his law practice. He wasn't making any money. It was just, he was so discouraged that he started thinking back to some of the things that his grandfather told him decades before. His grandfather had told him about gratitude. And John Kralik realized, I'm in a de desperate place in my life. I need to do something radically different. So he made a purpose. He said, I'm going to write a thank you note, 365 thank you notes in a 12-month period. That's one thank you note a day. He said what he noticed immediately was an improvement in his attitude and in his circumstances. It's amazing how they're connected. In fact, it, it was such a, a memorable thing for him, he wrote a book about it. He called it a simple act of gratitude, how learning to say thank you changed my life. And John Kralik writes this. He said, one of the things that you notice when you start being thankful is that your life is much better than you thought. You see, what happens with thankfulness is thankfulness gets us focused over on what's right, what's good. And when we're thankful, and that does something good for our heart. It begins to displace the anger, the fear, the sorrow. You just become a thankful, happy heart. In March, Joy had a word, and I really believe it was a word for the church. Again, we didn't know what was going to shake out this year. Her word was, thank God and take courage. Thank God and take courage. We see the wisdom behind that. Thanking God and taking courage. So what I eat protects my heart. Being thankful and exercising thankfulness strengthens my heart. But then we have to remember to stay with the big picture. The big picture is that we are here as believers. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then our overarching goal is the salvation of mankind, the advancement of God's kingdom, and where I fit with that. The ark was formed for the saving of households. That's why we're here, to reach this community reach as far as we can with the message that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that God raised him from the dead and there's salvation in him. That's our big picture. That's what we stay with. And so I, I tell you, I've done, done a lot of funerals over the years. And, and I was thinking about this the other day. I've, I've done funerals where I, I've stood, maybe stood around before the funeral and I've, I, I've never had this happen ever once in, in almost 25 years. I've never had someone walk up to me and, and stand next to me and go, Alan, and point down at the casket, are they a Democrat or a Republican? No one's ever asked me that. You know what they have asked me? Alan, did they know the Lord? And if I went, yeah, they did. They, they do this almost every time. Because you realize that's what matters most. 
It's all said and done. Did they know the Lord? You know, when Jesus looked at James and John and said, you know, guys, uh, I'm here to save lives. I love that last sentence. And they went to another village. They moved on. And a lot of us need to move on. Move on from some fear and some anger and some sorrow. Those cards, we passed out some cards to you. Would you pull those out? On these cards, I'd just like for you to do two things. So are you going to make me? Of course I can't make you. I'm asking. But here's, here's what I'm asking. Take the card, fold it up, and, and I want you to tear it in half. I want you to take one of, one of the halves. And on that half, I want you to write down maybe which one of these three things you need the Lord to help you with. Maybe it's a fear of the future, fear of what's going to happen in your family. Maybe it's, it's sadness over a loss you've had and, or maybe how the situation is looking in our country, whatever you're, you're sad about. Or maybe it's anger about, um, well, so many things. What's going on? Now, don't write your name on this. Just you write, if it's all three, write all three. Say, Lord, I, I need help. I, I, and, and what you're doing is I'm acknowledging I don't want this in my heart because this is not helping me. Take a moment and write that. And then at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the service, as you walk out, we've got trash cans there. I just want you to take them, crumple it up, fold it up. Don't worry about it. We're not going to count them or recount them. We're simply going to... <laughs> we're just simply going to throw them away. Now, on the other one, I'd like you to write down at least one thing, preferably three, something that you are thankful for. And I want you to keep this. So I want you to hang on. It's Thanksgiving week. If you have children, young children, uh, children that listen to you still, you, um, it'd be good to... It'd be good to go over this list with them. You really have to cultivate thankfulness. It doesn't just spring up on its own. So that'll be something good. And maybe this week you can just remember, I am thankful for these things. If you can stop and thank God, that would be even better. And so you're doing something that says, I'm going to hang on this. I'm going to protect my heart. I'm going to get stronger in my heart. And uh, it'll make a difference in my life. Now, uh, at the, at the end, we're also going to just receive our holiday offering. So don't put your holiday offering in the trash. Put your holiday offering in, in the bucket. But take a moment and do that. If you're still writing, you can write, but it, the rest of it, let's bow our heads just for a moment. You came this morning and said, you know what? I, I don't have a relationship with the Lord, and I know that, um, but I want to. Or maybe you're like I was. I was raised in church, made a decision at an early age, and walked away from the Lord and knew in my heart I need to come back. Maybe you've been away from God, and you know in your heart I need to come back. Man, that's the greatest thing you'll ever do. Make a decision to make him your Lord, and if you've been away, to make the decision to come back. And we're going to help you with that. We're not going to have you stand up or come to the front, but we're going to say a prayer. It's a very powerful prayer. It's a, it's a very personal prayer. I'm going to lead you in it. But if you would like to join in on this prayer, you say, Alan, I, I don't know that I have a relationship with the Lord, and I really want one, or I know I need to come back to him. Would you pray for me? Just as heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you just slip your hand up across this auditorium and say, Alan, that's me you're talking to. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks. Thank you. Got it. Thank you. Appreciate your courage. Thank you. Anybody else? Say, that's me. Just pray for me. Great. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you wanted to lift your hand for some reason. You just didn't do it. You can still pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it. You pray it out loud. Pray so you can hear yourself pray it. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer today. For those who have come to you and those who have come back, and we rejoice with them. We recognize they could not have made a more valuable decision for their heart and for their eternity. So we rejoice with them. Father, for the rest of us, help us to remove fear and sorrow and anger from our hearts and to give thanks to the one who has done so much for us. We thank you for all you've done and all you'll continue to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Now, if you'll give me two more minutes, we'll be out of here in just two. We're going to do a holiday offering, and our holiday offering is for a food outreach. we got one more food outreach. Uh, Anthony told me we turned away about 200 families yesterday. And so there's people that need food, and we want to make sure that we're, we're doing that. So we're going to do a, this one in December is going to be big. So holiday food giveaway. We're going to reach out to our city workers and first responders, Angel Tree and Toy Drive. Again, just reaching out here to bless be a part. So you can, you can make your checks. If you're giving online, just say holiday. You can make your checks out to the ark holiday, and we'll make sure it goes in that direction. So that'll help us do that, and we appreciate that. Let me bless you before we go. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. We love you. We're praying for you. Happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.